Talking about uh, on Sunday nights, last couple weeks, talking about our church covenant. Uh, Sunday nights, 30 days of prayer, community groups. Uh, so we've kind of been just immersed in this idea of, of our covenant. Our church covenant really it functions kind of like wedding vows do. Um, it's, it's our uh, stated agreement of what our relationship as a church is going to look like to one another and to the Lord and to the city, to the world. So. Um, so as we go through uh, these things, we're praying through this stuff, um, it really kind of forces us to re-examine exactly uh, our commitments in some of these uh, regards, uh, kind of how we're doing, ways that we need to grow, that kind of stuff. It's been really good. So two Sundays ago, we talked about our, our commitment to the Lord corporately. Um, last week, we talked about our commitments to one another in a relational sense. And today, we're going to talk about our commitments to to the Ring Community Church as as an organism, and uh, there are there's not a lot I remember from seminary a long time ago. Uh, one of the things that stands out, uh, I had a professor. He said he just start off class one day, and he would basically start off every every lecture with some statement that had nothing to do with the lecture, but it was so profound and so good that you just you were he lost you right there. Like you were just thinking about what he said, no matter in that statement. And then he would go on a lecture about something else, and you kind of miss the whole thing. Um, and the one that, that really grabbed me, he said, look, he said, just never never forget that the church is not an organization. Uh, the church is an organism. The church is alive. It's growing. The church uh, feels, you know, it feels uh, the, just the greatest parts of life and some of the greatest struggles of life. And the church is constantly fighting through life together. And and just don't forget that it's not an, orga- it's not an organization. You can't run it like a like a business, it's not a corporation, it's an organism. And that's really, really stuck with me um, because I think that it's real easy, especially like being in in different forms of, of church leadership, there are times when you can, when you really have to resist that kind of that, that corporate model because that's what we see in our world so much of, of how organizations work. Uh, but the church is not, the church is not Apple, you know, it's not... Um, Walmart, it's not like that. The church is, she's alive, and she's beautiful, and she has her issues, but she's the one that Jesus looked at and said, you're, you're going to be mine. You know, the church is to Jesus as a bride is to a groom. And so um, because he has placed such value there, we, we feel like as, as a part of our church covenant, we need to, to not only say this, this is our commitment to the, to the Lord and this is our commitment to one another, but we need to look at the whole organism that is the Ring Community Church as a part of this larger organism that is the, the universal church and say that these are our commitments uh, to this body. And so um, so this part of our covenant is expressed in a paragraph, and the paragraph starts off like this. We're going to put it on the screen. Um, it, it says, we will work together uh, to fulfill the mission and vision of this church. And so I believe we, get, we did that yesterday, I believe, in the 30 Days of Prayer. Uh, we'll work together to fulfill the mission and vision of this church. That's how the, the paragraph begins. And then uh, we go through and we just list all these different ways that we together are going to fulfill the mission and vision of the church. That's our commitment. Um, and so when you look at that statement, the implication is that we all understand what the mission and vision of the Ring Community Church is. We have to know what that vision is. And the mission, in order to 
be able to like unite together, work together to fulfill it, right? That pretty much makes sense. And so what I want to do this morning is is sort of unpack that a little bit, and but in a lot of ways it's just to not assume that we all are on the same page, but ask the Spirit to get us on the same page, and then really maybe push us in our commitment to uh, to the bride. So when we talk about the mission and vision of the ring, uh, several years ago, um, like it became like very important in church life for people to have for you to have a mission statement for your ministry, you know. And that was maybe that was one of those like corporate, you know, things that we stole from the business world or something like that. But every church was doing a mission statement, and and now the, at the ring we certainly uh, have been guilty of like jumping on bandwagons. We've also been guilty of antiing bandwagons because they're bandwagons. Uh, and so this was one of those ones where we were like, okay, should we do a mission statement, or, or is that like we don't want to be that the, those guys or whatever because we we're super mature like that. And so. Uh, but the but the heart behind mission statements was 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 really very simple in churches. It says like come up come up with a statement that says this is what we're about. So if you're trying to communicate to someone outside of your of your ministry or someone within the ministry, like what's what's going on here? What's the point? Say so this is the point. Um, and it also it not only gives you like a nice way to communicate that, it also gives you something to, to constantly compare uh, compare to compare your ministry to. Um, certainly, we have the Word of God, and I'm not saying this statement replaces the Word of God or anything like that. Um, the Word of God is super, super huge, right? It's really big, um, and so certainly when we're when we're going through uh, looking at, at ministry, evaluating the different like things we have going on, looking at, looking at doing some new things, all that kind of stuff, uh, we always, always, always make sure that it is a reflection of of what God has revealed to us in Scripture. You know, we always want to make sure that's con- that's consistent. This mission statement comes in a secondary sense, for sure, uh, to Scripture and to you know the, the Spirit at work in us. Um, but this is this kind of gives us a good summary of being like, okay, this is this is what we're going for, and so we want to make sure that everything we do is consistent with Scripture and we're being obedient to Christ, and and it stays in line with what we've said we're going to do because it's real easy for churches to get off track. You know, I think every church probably starts off with like really really like super good intentions. And like they get all their stuff together, one heart, one mind, everybody's rolling. And then, but you see a lot of churches begin to stray from that and get into like really weird uh, versions of the gospel. They they create these really really awkward hills to die on, and they end up dying, you know. And there's just all these divisions and all this kind of weird stuff that splinters off. And so we we said, okay, we we want to stay centered on what God tells us through His Word and through His Spirit, and we want to be able to to have this this statement that we can say, okay, um, when it comes to community groups. Are we accomplishing this? When it comes to uh, doing a crawfish boil, can we accomplish this by doing a crawfish boil? If we can't, then we, then we don't want to do it. And and hopefully this will keep us on track. So this is our, our mission statement that we came up with several years ago, and it uh, holds strong today. It's uh, leading people to a more intimate relationship with God for His glory. Um, what, we believe that that, that statement uh, really encompasses well uh, what what Scripture teaches that and the way that, that the church has been set up and structured and like aimed in a certain direction, uh, we believe that, that this is just like a uh, an attainable statement for us to comprehend, and believe it just really sums up you know just just a lot for us. And so when when, when you look at this statement, leading people to a more intimate relationship with God for His glory, um, you start at the end, the for His glory part. He makes it very clear all throughout the Bible. 
especially if you want to go look somewhere, go to Ezekiel uh, 36, 37 and read how God makes it very clear that everything about the new covenant um, is, is about him and his glory and his name being redeemed from like the way that it has been completely defiled by sin. And so, uh, he's not saying, he's not saying that he doesn't love us. He's just saying like, just keep in mind that this is for my namesake that I'm doing this. My namesake through your redemption, um, but for my namesake. And so the for his glory part is like, just so we keep in mind, like, look, we're not trying to build a mega church. Uh, our goal is not, is not at all big numbers, big budgets, big spending, big whatever. That's not, that's not the goal at all. If for some reason God were to choose to do that through our ministry, then we would, uh, we're, it's his church. Like he's, if we are a living organism, he's the head. So if he wants to take it in that direction, then we're, we're right behind him. Um, but that's not at all our goal. And in a personal sense, just if we never become a megachurch, that's totally great. Totally great. Um, but greater than that, we want to be an obedient church and a church that glorifies him. So being led to a more intimate relationship with God is not for our glory. It's not so that we can, uh, have a peaceful existence. It's not so that, so that we can prosper, you know, in the American dream or any of that kind of garbage that's out there. It's just, it's about his name. Um, and him just being famous through our lives. So uh, the for his glory part is not just like a nice little tagline. Like, no, 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 that's the whole reason why being led to a more intimate relationship with God needs to happen so that he can just show off through our lives. Um, the, the leading people part we'll get to in a second. But the intimate relationship with God, that goes back two Sundays to our commitment to him, to saying we, we're going to pursue this relationship with you. Like we want, by comparison, everything else in life, to be like a decaying body compared to the joy of knowing you, like like Paul said. We're going to look in Matthew 11 right now. This is a, a passage I've brought up the last couple of weeks, and I just want to look at it a little more closely uh, today. When it comes to that intimacy with God, it's this is underneath this belief that that we have as a church that that every person is invited into that. That for everybody out there. On the planet, the invitation is to come to Him. Uh, so this is one place where you could find that in the Bible. There's lots of them out there. Let's look at this one real, real quickly. Uh, verse 25, Matthew 11. Is at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. This, this is real important. And no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Okay, So there is no knowing the Father apart from the Son uh, revealing the Father to us. Uh, there is no knowing, nobody really knows the Son. I believe that a part of what he's saying there in that part of it is because he hasn't died on the cross yet and there's no access to, to him and all that. But, but keep in mind that he's saying the only people who, um, who will know the Father are the ones that the Son chooses to reveal, uh, to reveal the Father to. Okay? Look at the very next verse. 
Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All right? Make sure, make sure those, those two dots connect for us. Because the only people who are going to know the Father are the ones that, to whom I reveal Him. So come to me, all who are heavy laden, all who are weary, all who labor. Come, come to me. Okay? Do you see that, that connection? Saying the only way you're going to know God is through me. What I'm saying is, come on. Now, in this context, let's, let's read the rest of it. Verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In that day, uh, whenever there was talk of a yoke or a burden, um, two two things would, would come to mind. One one would it was obviously an agricultural metaphor. Okay, you thought about literally a yoke with two with the two animals in it. I talked about it last week, and you would you know you would take the take an experienced animal and put them on one side, and take take a rookie animal and put them on the other side. The rookie would learn from the experienced one. So uh, there's obviously there's there's a lot of discipleship that is within that. The other side of, of talk of a yoke or a burden has to do with the law. So God, God hands down the law in the Ten Commandments and um, says, this is, this is how you need to live. And, and uh, that was handed down from God with great purpose. Um, it was just a gift, basically, from heaven to reveal the the need for redemption, the need for a Savior, what the kingdom of God looks like. There's just so much goodness to it. Um, and like a lot of things that start off really good, uh, impossible, don't get me wrong, uh, but good and purposed, man, man got a hold of that and just complicated it and made it, made it worse. So it goes from, from ten commandments um, that was, were given by God to over 700 that the religious leaders of the day made up and added to it, and added to it, and added to it. And so they would they would do stuff like if if it was a let's say that that law whatever 123 was like you can't touch uh, you know a, a stool that has a green green legs and a brown top on it on a Sunday if it's a Super Bowl then they would say you can't touch that you know so that would be the law. And then later on you know like they would be like man that's that's super tempting. So then they would add another law that said like you can't stand more than five feet from that stool. So that you can't like physically reach out and touch it, you know. And they would say, "What about really tall people? They could like stand far away and they could like fall toward it if they wanted to." So they would say, "All right, if you're really tall, then you can't do this." So they just kept adding law, law after law after law after law uh, to try to to protect those core things. And I you know they have hundreds of laws. And so on the Sabbath, I mean, you just couldn't. You could just like sit there maybe and breathe, you know. That was about it. And there's just all this just weirdness that was going on. And and so that law had become a, a burden, much like much like the yoke over two animals where where it was heavy and they were being forced forced to work and it was it was oppressive to them this law that had been given by God as a gift what had now become this this thing that was like was basically enslaving them and they were miserable but that's how you achieve righteousness in in their thinking that's how the grace of God and the favor of God came into your life. That's the only way to do that. So, so they were stuck in this system that 
required them to be oppressed by these 700 laws, but that was the only way to gain favor with God, so they were stuck. They were laboring. They were burdened. They were heavy laden. And so when Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls, that's who he's talking to. Talking to people who are just slapped worn out from trying to earn the favor of God. Are you tired of that? Just come to me. I'll, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me. What a beautiful invitation. Talking to these people who are, they're just tired. They're trying to earn it. He says, hey, you don't have to earn it. Let's read it again in that context. Verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus takes comes into this culture that has 700 and something rules. It says, look, all that came from 10. And that 10, I'm going to narrow it down to 2. And really, if you just get the first one right, it says, just, just love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. When you do that, the second one, love your neighbor as yourself, Everything just comes down to that. When he says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, let's lay aside the, the burden of the law. What, what that really means is, let's lay aside the burden of, having, of thinking you have to earn the grace of God. Just take my yoke. Take the gift of a relationship with me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And your soul will find real rest. Rest on this earth. Rest on the new earth. For eternity. He says, Come to me. And so, our belief as a church, when we say, What's the mission and vision of the Ring Community Church? We say, Leading people to a more, a more intimate relationship with God for His glory because we believe that everybody is who Jesus is talking to. Because we may not function at, under Jewish law like that, but we function in a world that, that kind of goes one of two ways. They're either trying to be really good and follow all the rules so that God isn't mad at them, or they think that God's so mad at them because they've messed up their lives and made all these bad decisions that they feel like he's turned his back, so they've just kind of given up. And to both of those groups, we put them all in one in one camp and basically say, hey, hey, intimacy with God is what Jesus offers. He says, come to me. We were led to him by his Spirit, and oftentimes through through the through his church, through his people, and now we join that group that's telling other people, hey, come on, no. You don't have to it's not about earning it. God's not mad at you. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. Just come on, let's let's learn from him. And so we're learning, and so we bring others in to learn as well. And so when it says leading people to a more intimate relationship with God. We need to be led there. We need him, him to draw us. We need to say yes, and we need others to help us along the way, which goes back to what we talked to you, talked about last week. Everybody 
That's that's everybody. So when, when people talk about, you know, well, who's who are y'all who are y'all trying to reach? You know, I'll say well, we're trying to reach everybody. Find me someone who doesn't need to be led to a more intimate relationship with God. You find me a, a believer that's ninety years old. There's more intimacy there, you know. There's more growth. There's always more. There's always more. So every one of us, we're all we're all together. But we're trying to reach everybody. Why why would we say, well, we're trying to reach young adults between this age and this age? Why, why, why would we do that? So think about the people that you work with at your job. Every single one of them is who we're trying to, to reach, to bring into Jesus' invitation right there in Matthew 11. The people that you live around, they're, they're, that's who we're trying to reach. Your family members, that's who we're trying to reach. Everybody, everybody. I mean, it just, that's it. So as God gives us relationships and our lives cross paths with other people, this is hopefully like a, a part of, of, of how we're seeing them is, is trying to learn to, to throw off that yoke of feeling like we have to earn it because it, it's every, it's everywhere. You don't find a lot of people who'd like, oh no, I don't feel like I have to earn God's favor. Uh, we're, we kind of fight that so much. And so that's the mission and the vision of, the, of this church. Um, so when we put together an aspect of ministry in our church, when we look at, at take community groups, we want to make sure that our, in our, within the ministry of our community groups that people are being led to a more intimate relationship with God for His glory. So we want to make sure it's happening. And so that's why it's, it's frustrating when people are like, oh, I'm not going to go to group tonight. It's just a hangout night. Yeah, but hangout night fits into that vision, doesn't it? Leading people to a more, that's, that's relationally driven. Relationship with God driven. Relationship within the church driven. And so, we, uh, everything we do in our groups is very intentional in that direction. Leading people to a more intimate relationship with God for His glory. When, when it comes to, uh, what our homeless ministry team is doing, we want to make sure that, that that is being accomplished, you know. If it's not being accomplished, then we, we thought, okay, well, how do we, how can we make adjustments? If, if one of our ministries has strayed away from this and we, we want to bring them back on track, we don't want to just say, we don't just like cut them unless we're like, wait a second, this, yeah, let's, let's figure, let's figure something out. Everything that we do comes out of that mission and that vision. We're about to move to a neighborhood, to a part of Baton Rouge that like, there's literally like people living all, all around us. If you, if you draw, get on a map and draw like a circle, you've got like, an incredibly diverse uh, group of neighborhoods to draw from right there. And every single one of them, whether you're talking about, I mean, generations of, of just ridiculous wealth or generations of poverty, every one of those folks falls into who's Jesus, who Jesus is inviting in. And so when we change locations, uh, that neighborhood now becomes a part of who we're trying to lead into a more intimate relationship with God for His glory. At the same time, your neighborhoods fall under the same mission. Your workplaces and all that. So we're not, we're not replacing anything. We're just, we're just continuing to add. God's continuing to, to bring us into places and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to now trust you with being a, a church located in Capitol Heights, in mid city. Um, not only for the, to like gather your group of saints and equip them and send them back to where everybody lives, 
but also to send them into this immediate neighborhood. It's all it's all encompassing. There's just like this one thing that we're trying to do. So our commitment when it comes to the, our covenant, we've said we will we will work together to fulfill that mission and vision. We, all of us, will work together. It, the word work is very strategic in it. it it's just, it's just going to be, it's going to be work for us always. Um, not just going to like fall into our laps without some effort. We'll work together to fulfill it. And the rest of that paragraph kind of irons out, like kind of just lays out some ways that that happens. Um, so how, how, how do we work together to fulfill such an, um, I mean, that's a huge mission and vision. First thing that we say in that paragraph is that is we will maintain unity in our personal and corporate devotions. Basically, that just means like we take care of our own business. Like you... Like in order to fulfill that that huge mission, every single one of us as individuals, we have to like do what we've said we're going to do. Our personal devotions, our corporate devotions, we have to back those things up. So when we say when we said two two Sundays ago that we're going to pursue a more intimate relationship with God for His glory by devoting ourselves to prayer and the study of God's Word and the pursuit of holiness and life in this community of faith, hope, and love, then we we have to do that. That directly ties into us being able to fulfill the mission and vision of the church. We have to be devoted personally. You, have to, you just have to do that. So if you think if you think going days and weeks and whatever and never cracking open your Bible and never praying and never, not abiding, all that kind of stuff, if you think that, that that is a victimless crime or that you're the only one that really impacts, it's a complete lie. It's a complete lie. That you are hindering the mission and vision of this church when you fail to walk out your personal devotions. Now, that's not meant to, I'm not trying to like guilt anybody or like beat anybody over that. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to like bring us in touch with reality that, that if you, if you want to, if you want to, to exist that way or if you're going through, you know, time in the valley or whatever, I, I get that. I've, I've been through, through, I understand all that. That's not what I'm saying. But just don't, don't, Deceive, don't be deceived into thinking that it, you're not impacting other people, because you are. And don't let that be oppressive. Let that be something that motivates you to dig your heels in harder and to like to want to get out of, of those ruts. Let that motivate you to bring your community in on it. And don't walk through junk alone. It's so dumb, but we do it, but it's dumb. Let's help each other through those difficult times. So we maintain unity in our personal corporate devotion. So basically, like we do what we say we're going to do, and that helps the overall mission of the church. That's a part of the, the commitment. Um, the second thing, I want to skip one if I don't look at it. Um, actively using our spiritual gifts and our passions and our abilities in ministry. Um, when we say we'll work together to fulfill the mission and vision of this church, that does not at all mean we're going we're gonna to work really hard to help, uh, to help, you know, like twenty percent of our people fulfill the mission and vision of the church. It's like no, it's saying every single one of us contributes to the fulfillment of that. And so every every believer 
has evidence of God in them. That the church word is spiritual gifts. Uh, but the manifestation of the Spirit happens in every single life of a believer in very specific ways. And he uses all those ways, mashes them all together for the benefit of the body so that the church functions really, really well. And so we all have these gifts and we have these things that we're passionate about and these abilities. And so in order to fulfill what God's called us to do, we need everybody actively using those things. We just, you just can't, like I said this before, you don't have an appendix in the body of Christ. I don't mean that by like, that there are times when like, I don't know, I had appendicitis, like it gets infected, it needs to be removed. There are times when, like, I don't know, maybe you could find a way to just, oh, there are appendices in the body of Christ, or whatever. But what I mean is, the appendix is considered to be like, you know, yeah, you can live without it. Not very necessary. Well, there's nobody in the body of Christ that is unnecessary, unimportant. But I know that people feel that way because they don't have titles. You know? they don't have, they're not on certain teams. They're not as whatever as this person. And so if you get into that comparison game too much, or if you start to pout because you want to be serving in this way, but that's not what God, where God has you right now, all this kind of stuff, then it, like, that, that hinders the mission and vision of every church I've ever been a part of, including this one, is people sitting back and feeling like they are unimportant and unneeded that's, it's just a lie. And it's such, I mean, it, the enemy just whispers that to us, and we're like, oh, it's so right. And we sit back. And so we have a percentage of people who are, like, who are just going for it corporately as a church, and they're committed, and they're, like, they're doing it. And then there's this other percentage, I won't specify what percentage, because I don't know, this other percentage that's just like, well, I mean, they're doing pretty good, and this and this and this. And you sit back, and you're totally content just kind of being a part of things. Uh, but... God just He has He has gifted you in very specific ways. And if you don't know what that is, that's another thing you need to talk to your community about. It's like I know I'm supposed I know that I am gifted and I'm passionate about something. I just don't know where to start. You bring your community in on that. And some people look at the ring and they say, Well, you also don't really offer a lot of whatever. Like, come tell us what you want to do, we'll figure out how to make it happen. We said that for, for years. We said that in every membership class, we say that from the beginning, as far back as I can remember. Through the first 30 days of prayer meeting, we've said, don't come to us and say, y'all need to be doing this, or y'all aren't doing enough of this. Say, say, I've been praying about this, and God has put this on my heart. I just want to know how to put some legs to it. And that's where the church comes in to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's what we're, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. Everybody using their spiritual gifts, passions, abilities, and ministry. That helps us fulfill what we're called to do. So don't sit there and be an appendix. Don't. Okay? Alright. Uh, being faithful in our participation, uh, in our attendance, and in our giving. Obviously, if, you, if we want to fulfill what we're trying to do, we need you to show up for stuff. So we put it in our covenant. Like, no, no, you need to be there. We don't just need you in the room. We need you like engaged in what's going on. So, yeah, we want you to be in a we want you to be in a community group, and we want you to like go for it when you're at community group. We want you to participate. We want you to show up for stuff. And so that's why we ask that. If you're a covenant member, you're like, well, I think I put that in there about how we got to show up. Well, that's why. You want to fulfill what we're trying to do? Then come to the equipping. Come to be equipped and then sent. That's what these gatherings are for. That's what our community group gatherings are for. Come in, let God give us what we need in order to go out and to bless the world and to carry out this mission. So yeah, be faithful in that. 
an interesting one that, that we put in there is being faithful in our giving. Um, we've, we've been incredibly, incredibly, uh, well taken care of by the Lord financially. Um, we, we took one year of, uh, outside support. That was with my salary in our first year. And since that point, we've been self-sustaining. We've never taken any money from the Southern Baptist Convention or Louisiana Baptist or anybody else. Um, God's just been like super faithful to like through your your giving and through some uh, we've had just some friends of the ring who were a part of it and other times that will send money sometimes. But um, you know it's awesome because we're staring down the barrel of of having to do some renovations in this before we make this move. You know, and uh, for years we just like we were kind of accumulating some stuff. And everybody always gets nervous at our uh, when they see like how much money we have in the bank and where it's like, well, God hasn't told us like to like give it all away yet. And probably because one day we're going to need to like renovate a space or something like that. And I think he's letting us accrue some money early so that when that time comes, we're able to do that and not, you know, have to fret about it. And that's exactly where we are. Like we had an elder meeting this week and we're like, we're like looking at this number that we are about to spend and be like, oh man, that's, I don't know, should we spend that much? And then I was like, we said for years that one day we're going to have to renovate a space and this is why God's giving us this money. And here we are about to renovate the space and we're like, eh, I'm not sure, you know? Uh, <laughs> But that, that's how it, that's how it works. Like the, to fulfill the mission and the vision of, of what he's called us to do, um, there just, there's just some needs that we have to be met. Breakfast on the levee, like I'm, we don't, people don't just give us eggs. People don't just give us bacon. We, we go buy that stuff. So people, you put money back there in the, in the buckets, and then that money goes to fund breakfast on the levee. It goes to help do mission work. It sends people on mission trips. It takes care of, of the staff so that we can be freed up to be able to take care of other things. Um, it just it goes all over the place into some some pretty incredible places. So yeah, we're gonna we have put in our membership covenant. Be faithful in your giving because we need you to give. Because in this world, not all ministry takes money, but some ministry does take money. That helps us fulfill that greater mission and vision. So again, we're not trying to become a megachurch, and we're not trying to like be over the top or anything obnoxious like that. We we believe that spending money in certain ways can help us extend that invitation to come to Jesus, and that's how it works. Uh, supporting the leadership of the church um, is another way that you fulfill the mission and the vision. Um, our structure, we're led by the elders. Um, we're led by staff. We're led by pockets of leaders in different areas. Um, and just being supportive of that leadership, I know is not always an easy thing to do. Uh, but that's, it's an important aspect of us fulfilling what we're called to do. Um, and it doesn't mean you just, you just say, Yes, to everything that anybody that's a leader has to say. And you never have your own ideas and questions and whatever. That's not it at all. But in, in times when you have questions or you disagree or whatever, it's about how are we going to handle that. You want to come to me and say, like, look, this is what you're doing. And I, I, just, I think that, I mean, I've been praying about it and praying for you or whatever. And I just, I, have, I see it differently. And so I want to tell you how I see it and hear how you see it. And I just want to talk about it. That's... You know, you have no idea how supportive that is. You think that I'm going to take it as like, oh, like we're going to butt heads over this, but it's all in how, how you go about that. If you come to me and, and yell at me and call me names, then 
that's not being very supportive. If you talk to all your friends but never to me, that's not being supportive. I could give you 50 other examples of not being supportive, but I think you understand what I'm saying. And so it's for elders and staff and our MTXs and stuff, community group leaders and stuff, to, to be supportive and, and, and encouraged and helpful. The most, the most, and this is, this is no exaggeration, the best way that you can support any leader in anything that you're a part of is by handling your own business. Like, abide in Christ. Pursue an intimate relationship with God for His glory by devoting yourself to things that, that make that happen. Take care of one another. That, that is just the most supportive thing ever. It's just for us to, to live in that and to walk that out. Helps us fulfill the mission and vision of the church. Last thing we have in that paragraph is kind of interesting because we, we make everybody tell us that if, if you leave this church, you're going to find another church and basically you're going to join a different church. So whether you move across town or across the country, I'm saying you you're not gonna just like be like halfway about getting into a, another flock under a different shepherd. Like that's a that's a loyalty clause, sort of. We've always had this problem, probably because of the nature of of where we've come from, you know, as a college ministry and stuff. Uh, always kind of been the case where people are, and, and since we're at night, people go somewhere in the morning and somewhere at night and all this kind of stuff. We tell our covenant members like, no, no, no. You're going to be a part of this family. You're going to be a part of this family. You can't have multiple shepherds. You can't be in multiple marriages. You can't do you can't do multiples of those kinds of these kinds of commitments. Like we we are going to be it. And so we make everybody tell us if you leave that, and that's fine. Um, you're not going to leave and just go nowhere. And you're not going to double up. Like we want to be here. That ties to the mission and vision because we cannot fulfill the mission and vision of the church if we don't know who. Who's, who we're working with. We don't know what gifts and abilities and passions to draw from. We don't, we don't really know. We don't know who's, if you're not being, uh, faithful in attendance and participation and giving, then we don't really know what's going on. We're, we're, it's super confusing. So, um, so we have everybody say, no, this is where I am. And this is on purpose, whatever. All this stuff I've been talking about, all those specific things tie into this greater fulfillment of this mission and this vision. And so we ask everybody to basically say, I'm, I'm committing to this local body of believers, to this local church, to the Ring Community Church. I'm, I'm devoting myself in these ways to my relationship with God. I'm devoting my, myself in these ways to my relationships with the people in, that are part of this church. But the church as an organism, like I'm devoted to helping carry out the mission and the vision of this church. God has put every single person in here here on purpose to be a part of, of that, of helping people know, like Jesus says, come to me all who are heavy laden, all who are burdened, all who are weary. So he's pushed us all together, and he's giving us connections with people so that we can just kind of redirect them to what Jesus said there. He said, hey, he invited me, he's inviting you, let's, let's go together. And when we started off uh, the ring, honestly, I, I say this a lot, and I'm not joking at all. I didn't think it was going to work. Uh, I just kind of had my doubts. I was uh, in my second senior year at that time at LSU, and uh, just really, I was just like, I just don't know that people are going to drive all the way to Parkview, this and this and this. But I believed in those who were who were asking us to 
to go in this direction. And so went for it. And, uh, and it, I don't know, it kind of, it kind of, it went somewhere, you know. And, um, but when we first were starting it, before we had our launch, my boss at the time, he was like, what are you going to call it? Because everybody, everything was called something at that time. I was like, I don't know what we're going to call it. Something. Figure it out. And so, series of events led to whatever. So we decided, like, we'll call it The Ring. Because of the sermon that we heard, and it was really good. I, I'm not going to get into why. I'll do that another time. There's a podcast I, I think talks about it. Anyway, uh, so we called it the ring because of this sermon stuff. And there was, I was still a part of me was like, I had my doubts that it was going to work. And so a couple of years later, it was like things were going really well and stuff like that, and it was called the ring. And uh, you know, and then the horror movie comes out, the ring, and I was like, oh, is it because of that? You know, and, uh, and then Lord of the Rings comes out, oh, is it because of that? You know, we get a lot of that stuff. Uh, a couple of years ago. Um, a friend of mine passed on this this thing that I think is really helpful and ties into this. Uh, this is kind of a secondary meaning behind the ring. Um, this guy was just was talking about uh, community and ministry and the mission, like missional life of the church, and, and it goes something like this: that there's a church is like a group of people um, who are all standing in a circle, and there's this giant ring that goes around, and they all have one they all have one hand on that ring. They're unified. They're they're together. Um, they're saying we're we're one body in Christ. Uh, we're all holding on to this this same ring that's there, um, and that's our commitment. And in order to fulfill the mission and vision of the church, we we hold on to that ring with with one hand, but with the other hand, we we reach into the lives of the people that God's connecting us to. So our our families, our friends, our coworkers, uh, the random people. Uh, I always bring up cashiers at Walmart. Uh, just those kind of, of, of connections that we're just constantly reaching into people's lives. Um, that, that Jesus has chosen to reveal the Father to those who are weary and heavy laden. He's offering rest. He's offering His yoke as opposed to the yoke that's trying to earn the grace of God. He says, learn from Him. Because we'll find rest for our souls. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. We're, we're just reaching into that. We're holding, We're unified with each other. And we're reaching in that that picture, that's about fulfilling the mission and vision of the church because every person around that ring is reaching into different lives all the time. Sometimes those lives come in and they end up grabbing onto the ring as well. They come to this church and, and that's really good. But even if they don't, it doesn't really matter because we're, because we're just, we're displaying Christ and we're, um, we're communicating His love for them and His invitation to them. That's, that's what we're doing. That's what we're about. And so I don't, I don't really know. Uh, you know, I was, I was just trying to think, like, okay, what, Lord, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you want me to wrap, wrap this up? You know, like, I don't know. We always, you know, we sing a little bit. I think it helps us kind of process things, especially because I know once we scatter out, every, you know, it gets kind of, kind of crazy sometimes. Um, so you know, we always sing some songs that kind of connect to things and whatever. But uh, I really just, just felt led to. Just to, to challenge everybody, I guess, to really think about how committed you are. Not just, not to the ring, but to the mission and vision of the ring, which is the glory of God through the redemption and sanctification of His people. You know? how, how committed are you there? I don't, I don't know. I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying that.
I, I think we have a church that's incredibly, incredibly committed in a lot of ways. Um, and so I, I hope that I hope that God is not is is challenging us in a degree, but I hope He's also affirming us in that. A lot of times, whenever some preacher says like, oh, "How you know how committed are you to this?" You're like, "Oh, not very." You know, we, we kind of shrink back a little bit. But no, let God affirm you. Like, no, like you're you're in. But you know, Jesus committed to the bride. We should commit as well. And so I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song or two that just kind of fits in with what we're we're doing, but. I hope that these songs can really be expressions of our desire and our our commitments and our and our hope and our just really it's just where we are. Like, yeah, I want to see that happen. I want to see that happen. Um, so let me let me pray for us. This band comes back up. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much that um, I mean you have this you have this heart. You have this this dream. For uh, for what your kingdom is going to look like, and so you you came to Earth and you, um, you just you did everything to make it happen, and then you handed it over to your people. You handed it over to the redeemed. And you looked them. You looked that group in the eyes, and you said, "I have all the authority, and I'm telling you to go." Telling you to baptize people, I'm telling you to to teach them how to walk in the in the ways that I've commanded. You go, you you show them what the kingdom looks like, and you tell them the kingdom is available to them. And we are here this morning because that group was faithful to carry that out. After that, you sent your spirit, and you set those people on fire and you scattered them out and the world's never been the same. And so we really, we just step into that same vision, that same mission. I just ask that you, that you, you just push us forward in our commitments. That we recognize this is not a game. Our devotions to you and our personal relationship with you is not a game. Devotions to one another, not a game. Our commitments to what this church is about and what we're called to do is also not a game. And so as we stand here and sing in just a second, I pray you help these songs be just real responses. Uh, they would be commitments, that they would be prayers, that they would be expressions of gratitude, but also that you'd use this to really help, help, help us stay, uh, just right in sync with you and your heart for the world. Yeah, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.